Our scripture reading this morning is Romans 15, 5-7. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Jesus Christ, so that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. May God add his blessing to his word. series uh, titled simply worship and uh, we've been looking at this topic it's a much used word in the world of church and ministry worship Uh, but we've been looking at a little bit about what it is and some characteristics about it so far we've looked at uh, worship as beginning with God in that we worship simply out of response to who he is and what he's done. Uh, last week we talked about worshiping God with everything, not just what we say or sing, but even with our very lives. And that God is a jealous God who demands our everything. And uh, we also, you know, we worship God when we're by ourselves, but we also worship God when we're together. And today we're talking specifically about worshiping God together. Now we've defined worship as, in a simple way, just as giving God the credit that he deserves. Giving him the credit he deserves. So what does that look like as far as together? That's kind of our question today. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about the idea of worshiping God together, of uh, making worship more than just about ourselves, We've talked a little bit about how, you know, if you try to make worship about you instead of about God, then uh, things get all out of whack a little bit, you know, and, and you start kind of having some wrong priorities and you get really frustrated when the sermons aren't your kind of sermons or the music isn't your kind of music or the, uh, you know, the carpet color isn't your type of color or whatever the case may be. You would have done it different. Uh, when we make worship about us and what we're going to get out of it, then we end up with our priorities all askew and we never can find a church that's going to give us everything that we're hoping to get out of worship. But when we make worship about God and when we, when, and when we focus, as we're going to talk about today, of, of doing that together, then it really puts a right perspective on things. Now I'm not, uh, you know, I've been doing this series on worship partly because worship ministry is fresh on my mind and I've shared that with you um, before. But, you know, there's not many things that I would consider myself an expert in and it might be a stretch to call me an expert in worship. But if there's anything I'm an expert in, it would be this because I've lived and breathed it for the last few years and been taught about it and I've taught about it and I've read about it and I've written about it and uh, just really has been on my mind. So 
I'm not even sure how long this series is going to go on. We may be in the worship series for a couple of years here. No, I I wouldn't do that to you. But uh, it really does encompass a lot, and there is a lot to say about it. Uh, So I've enjoyed being in this. I'll tell you something I'm not an expert at is home renovation. Uh, So luckily we didn't have a whole lot of renovating to do, but we decided we wanted to paint the whole house before we moved in. And we've been painting and painting and painting, and we've had to enlist a lot of help along the way. And uh, we're still painting. (laughs) So I learned something this week about texturing walls. That's what you do when you can't find anyone that you can pay to texture it. You just learn to texture it yourself. So we begged a few people to let us pay them to do it, but it didn't work out. Anyway, today, why don't we talk about uh, worshiping God together? And specifically, uh, moving from you to unity. And if you have that card in your, in your worship guide about the sermon, uh, feel free to take notes anywhere on there. But this is one of the fill-in-the-blanks if you enjoy doing that. Don't feel like you have to do it. If you feel like this is busy work, pass it to your neighbor. <laughs> and uh, some people, like me, like to have something to write on. Helps keep my attention, that kind of thing. and uh, Gives me something to do and keep me focused. So, from you to unity. See what I did there? You unity it's just a clever little sounding thing there came up with that all on my own this week thank you thank you um, <laughs> Dale, uh, Dale read for us a passage of scripture that I've come to love and I want to read, read it again here from a different version uh, and, and we're going to pull a couple of words from it and kind of look at this idea of worshiping God together in in unity. This says, uh, this is the New Living Translation. It says, May God who gives this patience and encouragement help you live in complete harmony with each other as is fitting for followers of Christ Jesus. And then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Therefore, accept one each other just as Christ has accepted you so that you will be given glory. So that God will be given glory. Who butchered that one, didn't I? He's trying to take the glory. I just, uh, a few words in there. I don't think that it's coincidence that he mentions patience and encouragement in the same little realm here is when he's talking about living in complete harmony with one another, living in unity with one another. What do patience and encouragement have to do with unity? Just about everything. If you've ever tried to get along with someone for very long, you've learned about the patience and encouragement thing, probably. I'll just share with you kind of a story of a, a a chance I had to learn about this. I used to be in a quartet in college, uh, I'm on the right, if you couldn't tell, and very young looking and skinny. <laughs> uh, but I was the bass singer in this quartet, and we sang a lot of Southern Gospel stuff, and we came, uh, I don't guess we ever stopped at Cypress Street. We came through this neck of the woods, but I think we ended up over at uh, Oak Grove, maybe. But uh, 
we one year, you know, we would record stuff sometimes and sell little CDs when we would do concerts and that kind of thing. And uh, one year, our fearless leader, Gene Shackleton, decided that we needed to do a Christmas album. And we decided to sing, I don't know who came up with this, it was probably my dumb idea. <laughs> but we decided to sing an arrangement of Silent Night that was arranged by Boys to Men. Now, I don't know how many of you are familiar with Boys to Men, but, uh, I mean, frankly, the two groups look a little different, don't we? And uh, we had a little bit different style, you know, a little, a little different musical style. And uh, so it was a little bit of a stretch. Not only that, these guys are probably some of the most talented singers that I've ever heard as far as, uh, I mean, you may not like their style, or you may, but the tight-knit harmonies that they created in their arrangements is just something to behold. And uh, so it was kind of funny, uh, us trying to do that. So I'm going to play just a little bit of their arrangement, just the first few seconds of it, uh, so you can hear what I'm talking about with their harmonies. And they arranged this. Let's see if we can play it. Is it playing over the... There you go. just a clip of it. Just a little piece there. Beautiful, isn't it? So you can see why we... You didn't think you were going to hear Christmas music today in August, did you? Uh, so, maybe you can you know, kind of understand why we were excited about the idea of doing it, but again, you know, here's... I'm the guy in the light blue Old Navy shirt there on the, towards the left, and you can see Jean Shackleton in the back, and she wasn't used to playing that kind of music either. So... We uh, decided that we were going to do this, and we started trying to learn it. And I'm telling you, they had like jazzy R&B chords in there that we had never sung before. <laughs> it was just a whole, it was interesting to say the least. And uh, there was some hair pulling out <laughs> to be had, and a lot of hours spent. We used to go, you know, every week we'd go practice in, in a little practice room at the college, and and work on whatever was coming up and usually they came together fairly quickly and uh, <laughs> this one did not now we finally did end up with a recording much doctored <laughs> by technology to make it somewhat listenable uh, I don't know if this will sound good to you or not but this was the best we did and I'll just play you a clip of our version it sounds different Silent Sleep in heavenly 
What do you think? I don't know if I can still sing that low or not, but haven't tried in a while. But uh, that, like I say, was much doctored <laughs> post-recording. And uh, there were just some of those chords that, and you probably, if you were listening hard enough, heard some spots that made you tense up a little bit. <laughs> but uh, it got worse from there, so I just played you the good clip. <laughs> Anyway, those are one of those, you know, it's a fitting example maybe because Paul talks about unity being complete harmony. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I said it's fitting that he talked about patience and encouragement because we needed both <laughs> in that moment, especially the patience thing with one another as, uh, you know, I'd mess up one chord and Andrew would mess up the next one and so forth. And it was just quite a quite a time. Encouragement comes in handy as well, and there's this proverb that says it well, that anxiety weighs down a heart, but a kind word cheers it up. There's something about just a kind word that changes things for you. And not only that, it enhances unity. I don't know if you've noticed that or not, but uh, the people in this church who are good at giving words of encouragement, and always have a smile on their face, always have something positive to say to you, those people, uh, not only do they make you feel better as you walk through these halls and so forth, but they're actually keeping us knit together. There's just something about encouragers that keep a community in unity. See what I did there? Just on a roll today. <laughs> okay. So encouragement and patience, those come in handy with unity. Uh, there was another word in there that I thought was fitting as well. It says, therefore accept, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you so that God will receive glory. What does acceptance have to do with unity? Acceptance really has everything to do with unity because there are going to be people who you won't get along with. We've talked about this before. But there's people in any community that you don't necessarily click with. Now sometimes that's just a, uh, well, you know, we're not best friends, but, uh, but they're fine. You know, we don't talk that often, whatever. Sometimes they just grate on your every last nerve. And probably you grate on theirs too. <laughs> and so, that's where the acceptance thing comes in a little bit. We have to accept, sometimes God asks us to accept people who seem completely unacceptable. Is that not true? When I taught 8th graders, I had one year uh, a kid in my, in my class out of about 100 8th graders or so on our team that he just, you know, he had a kind of a rough home life and whatnot. Uh, but the result, the end result was that he a lot of times was dressed kind of sloppy and he had he just stunk because he didn't have good hygiene and no one ever taught him good hygiene and so I mean it was like we needed to open the windows when he came in the classroom kind of thing and not to go with that he had a little bit of a quirky personality and so that's just a recipe in 8th grade for unacceptance right and but at some level that happens throughout life. You know, I mean, that's middle school and it's magnified and no one likes middle school 
except maybe the cool kid, and I don't even think they like middle school. They just act like it. But it kind of happens throughout life. You, you'll run into people who they just are kind of hard to be around. Maybe they don't literally smell, but maybe they figuratively smell. You know what I mean? And they're just kind of hard to be around. How do you treat them? You can probably think of someone at work or at home or even in this room that you have a hard time accepting. Can we be unified as believers? Can we live in complete harmony with one another? Can we join, as Paul said, with one voice if we're unwilling to accept a brother or sister in Christ or someone even seeking whether uh, they need a relationship with Christ? So patience, encouragement, acceptance... These may be hard things, but they're absolutely necessary for unity. But here's the real question, and that is, what does unity really have to do with worship? Well, it seems to me that our God is absolutely insistent that this whole Jesus life, this whole following Christ thing, this whole Christian life, is meant to be lived together and not alone. Now see, we live in a culture that emphasizes the individual. Maybe you even heard our our culture called an individualistic society. And there's been some good things about that compared to uh, societies that aren't individualistic. You know, I mean, the opposite end of that spectrum, I suppose, would be something like communism. And we have seen what happens when they try to do that. And so, you know, we, we praise and we get excited about it for some good reasons. Our individualistic society, that, that it, they've given us a lot of freedoms. We emphasize the importance of an individual, whereas some societies have demeaned the importance of an individual, or at least certain individuals. And so that's all good. But what that does for us is sometimes it puts us at something of a disadvantage when it comes to understanding how God's kingdom works. Because God's kingdom is not about you and me. It's not about uh, what we can accomplish as individuals. It's about what we can do as the body of Christ. One thing that I've noticed is what we do with Scripture. When you and I read Scripture, when we read the Bible, whether it's in our devotional life or even in a Sunday morning setting like this, we try to think, how does this apply to my life? And we read it through the lens as though, uh, you know, the Apostle Paul, in this case, were writing directly to us. That's the lens that I read it through, and probably the the lens that you read it to as well. And when he says, you do this and you do that, I take it personal. But what we sometimes miss out on is the fact that the vast majority of Scripture is written to community. And when they say you, it's really more of a (laughs) y'all. If only they had had a southerner translate in the Bible, right? He's talking, you know, this, this passage we read from Romans comes from a letter written to the church in Rome. And when he's talking about you, he's talking to the church in Rome. 
And so, so many of these letters, very few of them are written to individuals. We've got Titus, the book of Titus, the book of First and Second Timothy. All right, those, just a handful of, of, of books in the Bible were written to individuals. Most of them were written for or to communities. When God spoke the law in the Old Testament, he was speaking it to a community. The Gospels were written to be shared and read aloud. They were, read, they were circulated and read aloud to groups of people and churches who were gathered. There's a difference there. And I think that the point is that God just seems to emphasize and to find it important that we live this life together. I think it gets back to the fact that he created us and he's aware of what we need. And he knows that we're created with a need to not be off on our own all the time trying to do things in our own strength and in our own power but that we need other people and we need him. And so that's maybe one of the reasons why he created the church. I don't know, you know all the reasons that God made us that way. Or all the reasons that he asks us to be together on stuff and unified in our worship and in all that we do. But I would say that one of them is probably that we can accomplish a lot more when we're united and working together than when we're alone. And that probably goes for worship as well. Our worship, I believe, is magnified when we're all together. You've probably worshipped in a really small group before singing a song with just a real small group maybe around a campfire or something like that at camp Uh, then you've probably been with larger congregations have uh, any of the guys in here did you guys ever go to like promise keepers anyone ever go to a promise keepers convention a couple of you when you stand in a room with tens of thousands of men singing how great thou art that's just a whole nother level <laughs> you know it just it's a whole nother feeling to that and maybe some of you have been in a similar situation not at a promise keepers but just some kind of a convention our students just went to IYC and it's totally different worshiping at IYC than worshiping at state convention than worshiping anywhere else that you have probably worshiped there's something different about it even when we read in Revelation as we've read in weeks past recently and God's you know, John, the Apostle John is writing about his vision of what he saw in heaven it talks about that building from smaller groups of people singing around the throne to eventually all of creation joining in with all of heaven in worship and it seems that God finds that bigger and better as well and there's something special about together worship One more translation of that verse that we've been looking at. This comes from the message. I just like the way, and this is a church that loves music and and the choir sang today. It says when when we're unified, then we'll be a choir. Not our voices, our individual voices only, but our very lives singing in harmony in a stunning anthem to the God and Father of our Master Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? 
We'll read it again. Then we'll be a choir, not our voices only, but our very lives in harmony with each other, in a stunning anthem to the God and Father of our Master, Jesus. Hmm. That's a prayer worth praying for our church and for the church that we would be so unified in such complete harmony with one another that we would sound like a choir with rich harmonies. Let's talk about what we can do with all this. We're going to talk about three things and those also are on your little slip of paper if you fill those in. You need community. God didn't create you or I to live our lives like a solo. He created us to be a choir singing in a harmony, a stunning anthem to God. What's more is I believe God wants the church, the body of Christ, to be a shining example of what God intended human relationships to look like when he created them in the beginning before we messed it all up. He wants people to look at the church and scratch their heads and wonder, how do those people get along so well? It's unnatural. It's uncanny. He doesn't want them to look and find the church that split over the carpet color. (laughs) Couldn't agree on it. That's petty and it's worldly. And that's what people expect. But they don't expect people of all backgrounds coming in one room. There's no reason to expect that they should ever get along with one another and yet they do. I just thought about, there was a, a guy in our church in Springfield who was, uh, he lived in kind of a little shanty shack thing that he rented uh, when he could pay rent and beside the church kind of nearby. He got kind of plugged in and uh, really kind of rough around the edges, about as poor as you can get. And he kind of fell in love with our church and our church came to really like him and uh, he, and he would work his tail off around the church and that kind of thing. Uh, But I remember one time we had a men's small group kind of thing going and we had the meeting at this guy's church, I mean at this guy's house who was, uh, he was like the head of a CPA firm and huge house. And, And so we had our small group meeting there and I remember Donnie walking in and thinking, where else but in the church do you have a guy who's you know as poor as that and as rich as that and they're getting along just fine no one's worried about you know how big the house is or you know how poorly dressed that guy is or this guy is and and where else but the church do you find those people even hanging out together you wouldn't because you wouldn't run in the same social circles You wouldn't join the same social clubs. You wouldn't be at the same golf country club. But there's something special about the church. And we each need this community. It may mean that we need to show some extra patience, be a little more encouraging than discouraging. It may mean that we need to accept that person we find somewhat unacceptable. But all this, I mean... 
I think that it's neat what we're doing on, on Sunday mornings right now. I think this is playing out in a really neat way. We've got uh, some new music that's being introduced. Uh, Allison's been helping us with that, and we're going to sing that Revelation song again today, and hopefully you guys are catching on. I heard more people singing last week. Uh, but there's an older generation in our church that that kind of music is foreign to. And yet, how accepting and even encouraging they've been. That's awesome. And there's a younger generation in our church who, the even though they've kind of grown up in this church, the hymns are foreign to them in the sense that it's a different kind of music than, than what their generation knows and loves. And yet, here they are. And they sing a bunch of them today. And by accepting one another and appreciating each other's musical differences, that's just one small way in which we accept one another and live in Christ-like community. That's what the body of Christ is supposed to do. Here's another one for you. Maybe it's time to engage. This point is not for everyone because some of you are probably overly engaged. That's just kind of how church life goes sometimes. I heard a quote once that uh, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. <laughs> That's probably true in just about any organization, and it's usually true in churches too. But maybe it's time to engage. There's this, uh, I don't know if you've seen the movie, uh, The Incredibles, but the little cartoon with the little superhero family. And there's this scene that always cracked me up where the kids are just going berserk. And the mom's trying to corral them all in. And she yells, Honey, it's time to engage. <laughs> He's just in his own little box. Sometimes us guys, we get in our own box. You know, we have no idea what's going on. And sometimes it's just time to engage. and Help out a little bit. And maybe that's where you find yourself today in relation to the church. Maybe it's time to engage. Maybe this has just been kind of a stop off along the way where, hey, if it's a nice day and we don't have anything else going on, we'll stop by the church. Or uh, maybe you come regularly, but, you know, it's just a thing you do for an hour. So maybe it's time to plug into a Sunday school class, build some new relationships. Maybe it's time to say yes to serving on a board or committee, get ready for that. Nominating team has a the committee has a meeting coming up soon, and we'll be nominating some of you folks to serve in different areas. So maybe it's time to engage in that way in the life of the church. Maybe it's time to serve our kids, our students. Maybe it's time to sing along with the songs, even if you're not sure you like singing. Maybe it's time to realize that this Christian life. It's not meant to be lived alone. And the last one. Try some fresh perspective. I'm going to offer you some. For most of my life, I've heard people talk about church uh, in this sort of way. They'll say... Well, I had to get to church today to get fed or to get recharged or to get refilled so that I could make it through this next week. Have you ever heard someone say that or said that yourself? Probably most of us have. I've also heard people teach that uh, 
your personal walk with God, your devotional life, your prayer life, is of the utmost importance. More than church, more than church attendance, more than church worship, that sort of thing. Um, not that too many churches encourage you not to come to church because that's not <laughs> you're not good for them. But it gets taught. You get the impression that it's more important what you do on your own time than it is what you do with the church. And I think both of these mentalities fall a little bit short of giving our together worship the priority that God seems to give it in His Word. Where He talks time and again about come, let us worship and bow down. Come, let us enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Those are us statements. And when we read about worship in Scripture, it's a us thing, time and again. So, here's just a little illustration, a fresh perspective thing for you. Um, maybe you like football like me, or maybe you don't. But, imagine for a moment that our worship equals football. Crazy, I know. And our Sunday morning gatherings, kind of like a football game. What would your week look like as a football player? Jimmy could come down up here and give us a whole talk about what it looks like to go through your week as a football player. Probably some more of you could too. But you're going to be lifting some weights, right? You're going to be doing some drills probably. Day in, day out. You're going to look at tape film of the last game or of your opponent that you're about to go up against you're going to look at some X's and O's with your coach you'd spend some time on the field walking through some stuff and all that work that you do all week long would culminate Sunday when you step out on the field for the big game and then just a what if but what if we treated worship that way what if we spent the whole week preparing studying meeting with other believers serving, loving each other and praying so that when Sunday's big game rolled around we'd be all practiced up we'd be conditioned and ready to join our teammates with one voice giving praise to, and glory to God I'm sure that some of you fall in the same boat that I have and I've sometimes shown up on Sunday morning unprepared now maybe I had the sermon ready or back when I was a worship leader the worship all planned out and practiced and rehearsed all those I's dotted and T's crossed but as far as my personal preparation the practice that went in to being prepared to come and give worship to God, maybe I had fallen a little bit short. And maybe you can identify with me on that. Dragging in on Sunday morning and treating it as the practice instead of the game. As though one hour of practice is all it takes to live this Christian life, right? <laughs> we, sometimes that's what I think we kind of do when we say, well, I'm going to go to church on Sunday and get charged up for the week. Like like one hour is going to transform us for seven days. 
But what if we just had a fresh perspective and we treated it as like this is the big game. This is the culmination. This is the chance that we have to come together with some other believers who also are choosing to give God the credit that he deserves instead of giving it off everywhere else like the world does. And we come here having been reading our word, having been loving on people, having been trying to do ministry all week long, having been praying, even praying for this service, and then we come in here practiced up and ready to go. What would that do to our the spirit in here? Just the what would that do? How would that transform our worship services and our gatherings together? God looks forward to our together worship. So let's make sure that come Sundays we're practiced up and ready to give him our best together. Let's move from you to unity. Sound good? Let's uh, pray together and we're going to sing Revelation song and an old hymn, really old hymn. Lord, we come before you now a little bit humbled because Lord, each of us have had times where we treated worship as our together worship as less than what it deserved. And sometimes we uh, drag in here looking to get something out of it for ourselves rather than focused on you. And uh, sometimes we do a good job of ignoring the people around us or at least the ones we want to ignore. Lord, that's not good either. We pray, Lord, that you would help us live in unity in such a way, help us to worship together in such a way that the world, on the occasions when they get to see us or hear about us, would scratch their heads and wonder how such a group of people could get along so good. Help us to be shining examples of what Christ-like relationships look like. Lord, we just thank you for the chance to be called children of God, brothers and sisters in Christ. We just pray you'd help us to live up to it in our everyday living so that our lives would be like a choir, a beautiful, harmonious anthem to our God. We pray it in your name, Jesus. Amen.